I'm recording now again, so, um... Hello, and welcome to Scientifically Speaking. I'm Dave. I'm Shane. I'm Colleen. I'm Philip. And I'm Reed. Well, thanks for tuning in once again. It's been a while, but we're coming back to you with a follow-up on our last episode. Our last episode was about octopuses. Uh, you just make that joke every time? Octopotopuses. <laughs> it's so fun, Shane. Don't tell me how to live my life. Octopotopuses. <laughs> See, Sabrina thinks it's funny. <laughs> so, we need to pick up where we left off the last time. And where we left off last time was we talked all about the anatomy, like the way that they are, where their place is on the evolutionary tree of life, what their environment looks like, and uh, how their senses work. So today we're going to talk about like what I think is the most interesting part of octopuses, which is their intelligence. So we're going to do a little episode of octopus intelligence. So the first thing we're going to start with today is we're going to talk a little bit about the behavior of octopuses in the wild. So, uh, first thing I want to talk about is uh, most octopuses are solitary. They, like, live alone. There's a few that share dens, but that's pretty rare. Octopuses, for the most part, live alone. Um, and then, like, yeah. I guess, I feel like, maybe this is a stupid question. I'm thinking of, like, there's a dichotomy with predators, where there's, like, pack predators, like dogs, and then there's, like, solo predators, like cats. But, like, I guess not all, like, I'm thinking of, like, domestic cats. But, like, big cats are, like also kind of pack or like lions at least are like pack predators right is it like more common to be one or the other like is it weird that octopuses are um like solitary creatures that are predators or it's like that's normal octopuses are predators yeah we talked about this did we not talk about this i don't remember any of the last octopuses (laughs) are indeed predators do they have arms or tentacles arms right (laughs) (laughs) so they have arms tentacles refer to a specific set of arms that like squids have those two extra long ones that only have suckers on the end and are used for capturing prey right i know the answer to that one now (laughs) Um, no uh, i would say that it's actually rarer to be a pack hunter i would say if you look at Mm. animals as a whole like if you include invertebrates and like being social is pretty rare Mm. interesting okay yeah just like in general um so just i just wanted to make one other note that uh i think reed found this uh this little fact which i think is pretty funny um so octopuses like they can swim but they also like crawl around but Mm. crawling is pretty energetically expensive uh during crawling the heart rate nearly doubles um so basically an octopus needs like 10 or 15 minutes to recover from like minor exercise that's kind of that's it's interesting because like you said that it takes it their heart rate nearly doubles but like that's true of like a human walking too like a person sitting's heart rate is like 60 70 and a person walking is like if you're walking briskly it could be like 120 yeah but it doesn't take 15 minutes to recover i guess yeah they're they're yeah they're pretty uh they're weird their bodies are not adapted for stamina does that apply for them i I mean if an octopus is like using its tentacles kind of like shuffle along the like seafloor versus like actually swimming like does that's what i'm talking about crawling that crawling behavior okay yeah like is that uh, is that harder for them than just like you know doing a you know like a swimming motion? I I think so because when you uh, octopuses are swimming, 
they can use their siphon. I think we talked about this last time. They have a little siphon, uh, like a little jet, and they can use that for propulsion. Water out. Mm -hmm. So the reason for huh. that, that they would even do it, I guess, is just to, because you can't swim very close along the bottom where they're searching for prey. Mm -hmm. Is yeah, that the idea? Exactly. Yeah, I think the, the idea is that it's, it's, it's part of their hunting behavior. Hmm. Got it. Which is interesting, whereas, like, the jet propulsion is mostly used for, like, escape. Ah, hmm. uh, okay. Oh. That makes sense. So, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is uh, something that we briefly talked about last time and didn't really go into detail with, but uh, I think is really interesting. Uh, we talked about how octopuses have one arm that's just a penis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Will they hunt have... with that arm? Or is it, like, exclusively used as a penis? It's pretty much exclusively used as a penis, and they like are very cautious about it. Wow! Is it yeah, I mean, than I would be too. Ones? So yeah, I would love if it was a penis slash hunting utensil. <laughs> yeah, it was just the same. It was just the same as all of their other arms. Just like plus, yeah. it was also a penis. Man, could you imagine? This may be getting a little off with the prepared topic, but do squid have a similar setup, or is is this unique to to the octopus? I don't know. <laughs> We're just going to continue continue the trend of exclusively spending the octopus episodes asking Dave about things that aren't hey, That's right. All of our, all of our future animal episodes are going to be octopus versus. <laughs> <laughs> octopus versus squid. Octopus versus house cat. Bye, Valve. <laughs> also, uh, I, if you want to be on the show, you got to make an introduction. Hi, my name's Sabrina. <laughs> that is Sabrina. She's our other host. Gotta make an introduction. No. I don't. No, I want to take my introduction back. <laughs> no, it's, it's too late. It's You're too here. late. It's already been recorded. You're it's already been here. put to tape. <laughs> I'm just holding it to you in case you have something to say. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about dick arms, people. Uh, so, male octopuses, uh, they have a specialized arm. It's called a hectocotylus. Um, it's their third right arm. It's always the third right arm that has, that's called, it's hectocotylized. Wait, 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 wait. I have so many questions. Yeah. I need to interrupt you. Sorry. Like, so the male octopus, obviously only the male octopus has a penis. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it in addition to the eight other, the, the eight arms, one of the eight arms? Like they still only have eight arms? It's, so it's so only eight arms. It's one of the eight arms is specialized as a penis. And so the the female octopus just like has eight non penis arms. Yes, just like humans. <laughs> this is one of their very arms. weird. Yeah, they like a vagina, vagina arm. <laughs> the the no, actually the the genital opening on a female is like on the body, like sort of close to like not the mouth, but like a little above it. So it, it has nothing to do with their arms. <laughs> That's so weird. Is it ever confused with the mouth? Can you imagine? <laughs> okay, so uh, on the uh, just gonna jump in on the squid thing. Uh, <laughs> according to this BBC article, super squid sex organ discovered. Uh, <laughs> some, oh yeah, that's some what squids. Just... Some squids do have, uh, especially if they're shallow water, they do have a modified arm. But deep sea squids just have a separate penis, mm. and it's huge. <laughs> is that like huge as in like as big as their other arms or is it like bigger or smaller well so the details this I just want to know. squid 
uh, I guess it, it's the length of the entire squid was 67 centimeters, which was roughly the same as the length of the penis by itself. So, uh, relatively huge, yeah. <laughs> oh my I'm, God. I, I'm really wanting to see some, like, marine biologists start making anatomically correct tentacle porn. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. Why? <laughs> I don't know if really want to is what... Yeah, what yeah really want to is probably that. not the right phrase, but... Uh... <laughs> I need this. <laughs> is the, the squid the longest octopuses? Uh, wait, uh, the squid itself? Uh... No, the, the arm. The penis. Yeah. The penis, the penis arm. Sorry. Wait. <laughs> the, so, so I think he was saying the squids have a separate penis. Okay. Whereas well, octopuses just use an arm as a penis. Okay. Yeah, this site in- implies that they can have multiple penis arms, which Whoa. I'm not uh, have to what? do Whoa. more research on that. Multiple <laughs> penis arms. Uh, Unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. Man, I can't wait for like I can't wait for the people you live with to just like look use your computer for something. Like yeah. <laughs> Squid penis. Squid arm penis. How many penis squid arm? <laughs> <laughs> How big penis squid? <laughs> uh, yes. So anyway, so this uh, this arm actually looks different from all the other arms. It is okay. like it's actually specialized, and it has a spoon-like shape. What? So it like they uh, they can you know like transfer. how penises are. <laughs> they literally like collect sperm packets from their uh, reproductive tract and like put it on the arm and then. Put that arm like into the female's genital. Wait, opening. where is the reproductive tract? I don't know. Their bodies are so <laughs> utterly confusing to me. Like, is this Wait. like the pedipalps thing, where like the spider's like grabbing its own sperm from somewhere else and then yeah. shoving it in the? Yeah, that's what exactly. It is? Wait, wait. So the arm is just like the the only thing that's really special about it's just like the delivery that arm mechanism. is that it can like it has like some way of like holding onto the sperm to like push it. Yeah. It's it's not it's not like it like has a ureter or uh, vas deferens in the arm yeah. and oh. the arm itself ejaculates. It's that like the sperm okay. packets come out of a separate opening and the male octopus grabs it with that special arm. <laughs> so it's eating it like a spoon. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm kind of amazed that it has like a dedicated arm for that. I I guess it kind of. Well, Maybe it's because the the, to... how would you hold it? Yeah, they don't right. Have, all it's their like... other arms are like con. What is it? Convex. Convex. Yeah. Convex all, is the, word. the one where they go out. Yeah. yeah convex. Right. Yeah. But it needs a concave thing to hold the sperm. Could like I the suction those cup. Good like... For, like other stuff. <laughs> one suction cup. Yeah, we're just gonna like. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, after mating, uh, males die. Whoa. They. They just I die know. after oh, mating. Oh, wait, really? Rock? Really like, yep. instantly? They just die after mating. Uh, they're just like, fast. Why? I'm done. I don't Is know. It like, because of the... <laughs> wait, don't female octopuses also die after, like, giving birth? Yeah. Man. Wow. Yeah, I assume that's <laughs> so, for the same reason. talk about that next. But wait, 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 so, but so... No, it, we're just going to skip towards that. We're just going to skip all... Dave, you can leave. Go to the thing. I, <laughs> we know wait, you wait, prepared so, for this, but, uh... <laughs> but uh you might as well not have um wait wait so but so the 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 
do they wait is there any like confirmation step is it like they wait until they know that the that it worked or it's just like <laughs> all right good luck i don't know i couldn't i'm like, out i, 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 I should have used the wrong arm again <laughs> the, the information we have about octopus mating is like mostly about female octopuses mm. so I, I guess like they live really deep right they're pro and they're solitary and they're not that big it's probably really hard to yeah. watch this happen like i want to know what the mechanism is is it just like as soon as they lose their sperm their body shuts down well, like, it could be conscious right yeah that's the yeah if they're smart like mm. it could just be like they could be decided to do that's it. an interesting word <laughs> anyway so yeah. males die shortly after mating um then the females will guard the, they'll lay eggs they'll uh, uh they basically come out in like a giant packet of eggs it looks like um, a bush of eggs and they just oh, like what god stay in Ew. like it's, it's yeah it's it's kind of gross looking um so okay. after like over a period of several months the female will guard the eggs like she'll mm -hmm. hide in a cave and uh, she uses her siphon to aerate the eggs to blow fresh water through. Well, salt water, but you huh. know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. that the babies get oxygen. And she does this over a period of several months. And female octopuses don't eat at all. In fact, they never eat again. After a female what? octopus has laid eggs, what? she takes care of them and then dies. But, like, doesn't it sometimes take a really long time for the eggs to hatch? What yeah, it, it can take months. That? She just can go months without food. She just doesn't but die. Like, the eggs will probably die too. Whoa, Basically, her true. her last job in life is solely to take care of these eggs. Yeah, and, but uh, like, if, if your last job is to take care of the eggs, you're about to die. Eggs are not ready to hatch. Why would you not eat something? <laughs> it's, it's, it just didn't really register, I guess. <laughs> well, I need so, to have a conversation with these octopuses. Women doing the most again. <laughs> 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 Seriously though, I it, it's it's baffling. It's basically they just like don't eat at all because their hunting like would interfere with their ability to guard the eggs, and they are solely about guarding the eggs at that point. Right, and they, right. like how would they even get and, food? Food's yeah. not just gonna walk up to them. And the father's dead. Right, and the father's dead. Yeah, yeah exactly. Feels like that was the big mistake. Yeah. But but I know the but I get the, the reason or like the I don't know I know I've heard that the proposed reason is that like because they're solitary. If they were to continue hunting, they would make it too difficult for their children to like find food and make it past like juvenile. Mm. Like they take themselves out of the competition pool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, wait until they hatch. <laughs> this is still much, much more parental care than a lot of invertebrates will have. I mean, think about like, mm. like there are so many species of things that will just like, like crabs will just literally like put their semen into the water, free-flowing, and just hope it meets the other, <laughs> hope it meets a female egg. Like, right, yeah. just freely just going for it. Yeah, wow. So, uh, it, in fact, it's interesting. The uh, Whatever the, like, mechanism that triggers this kind of behavior activates, yeah. even if the eggs are unfertilized. No fucking way. There was a, I read a story about um, an octopus that guarded its eggs, guarded her eggs for months, but she had never encountered a male octopus. She just laid eggs and then guarded them unfertilized for months until she died. Wow. Wait, so, holy shit. But wait, so, okay, so that means, <clears throat> sorry. So that means that they lay eggs one time in their life. Is it like programmed? Like at a certain age, they lay eggs? Like it seems like it's not based on when they encounter a male. 
Unless her body just fucked up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess so. It it could yeah we don't we don't know enough about it to it's yeah. it's honestly not very well studied. Right, right, right. It's yeah. very complex. I I have to admit, but, I accidentally cheated for this episode because there was a very good radio lab episode <laughs> that was about a very specific part of this Shane. episode. I know. I'm sorry. Don't. Are you advertising a different podcast about octopuses right now? Go really? listen to Radio Lab. No, um, no, ours is All better. All thirty of our listeners are going to be like, "Cool, time to make the switch." Um, uh, no, but there was the thing they were talking about was they they basically in California there was this group that basically was studying things unrelated to octopuses, but like at the same depth. Um, off the coast of California and they basically stumbled upon this octopus like taking care of her eggs and they were like oh well every time we come out here since we'll be out here a bunch we'll just like drop a they had a submersible so like we'll just drop the submersible and check in on her this will be a good opportunity to study this thing because we've actually never seen this species of octopus mate before and she didn't guard her eggs for months she guarded her eggs for four years Hmm. and didn't eat the whole time consumed no food at all and they would like the little submersible had robot arms and they would like pick up crabs and give them to her and she would not eat them and like and they would like sometimes they'd go down there and she's like surrounded by crabs like surrounded and they're all trying to get the eggs and she's just like crushing them and throwing them away and like killing them in like super like warrior mode killing all these crabs and i'm pretty sure they said something like they never saw any eggs get taken like they counted the eggs and it was the same number of eggs the whole time for years years yeah did they ever hatch do they know they hatch they did hatch in the end yeah yeah octopuses like life cycles are are weird so i think that's that's the end of like the the basic behavior we're going to jump into intelligence now but the reason that i wanted to talk about this is because it's really important because intelligence in a lot of animals is taught octopuses don't teach their young anything both parents are Mm -hmm. dead by the time the eggs hatch right and then the the siblings like split up right so they don't get the only thing that a young octopus might get from its mother is like eating her yeah that's a thing that happens right oh yeah yeah (laughs) because nature is metal i mean that's another reason probably right for her to like stop eating and like die at like more or less the moment that they hatch yeah just like to provide a big food source because they're tiny like they're super tiny when they hatch mm-hmm. i mean some octopuses are tiny when they're adults but like yeah. just like way little can't really hunt anything so uh so now we're going to talk in about uh, octopus intelligence and i wanted to break this up into two parts so the first part here is i wanted to talk about the uh biological basis for this so i wanted to talk about the octopus brain so uh strap in because this gets weird <laughs> so we talked about this earlier i think uh colleen brought it up but all octopuses are predators they like actively hunt and eat other organisms which is mm. likely the reason for their intelligence to have developed mm. um and uh behavior recordings they can play they can learn and remember shapes and objects they have good spatial learning skills we'll get into all that later but uh okay. so let's talk about the actual brain so how many lobes does a human brain have? Four. Okay. Just a wild guess. How many <laughs> lobes does an octopus brain have? Wow, I was about to... Sixteen. Five. <laughs> One. 
The what? answer is anywhere from 50 to 70. So, oh, oh my God. God. What does that even it. mean? Yeah, exactly. What does that mean? Wait, so, also, wait, so um, what's a lobe? What? Me, tell me what a lobe yeah. is. Yeah. So a lobe in uh, biology is like the lobe of a brain is a specific region of a brain that's usually responsible for a specific set of actions and functions. So, for example, in humans, we have our hind brain. Responsible brain yeah, yeah. But this is at a higher level than like cortices, right? That are a higher there's level like, than what? Yeah. Cor- like cortex cortices. Because uh, there's like a motor cortex, but like that's there's like a bunch of there's yeah. many more of those. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. A lobe right. is okay. like a collection of those. Okay. So like, like you could do the... your frontal lobe. Uh, right. Right. Has and like, also like controls like agency and cognitive mm-hmm. functions. Uh-huh. Exactly. So that's first off, just already like unfathomably weird. Sure. Yep. Okay. So now this might seem like immediately very different, and it definitely is. But I did want to talk about how there are actually some um, uh, uh, analogs to human brains. Um, so it's important because we want to talk about intelligence, and it's really hard for us to measure intelligence in any way other than versus humans. Yeah, sure. So we sort of have to talk about the uh, analogous features of octopus brains and human brains. Mm. So some things are similar in, uh, like, for example, the retina of fish and the surface of the cephalopod optic lobe so basically like the very deep biology of their eye structures mm-hmm. are analogous um there's also um an, an analog uh, sorry an analog to the hind brain basically the studies of octopus brains show that they're they might have a sort of similar lobe to the vertebrate hind brain which functions okay. for like escape responses fight or flight like very very basic prey yeah. or predator response thing. Got it. There are lobes and octopuses that appear to do something similar. But that's about it. Do they have like an analogous... I mean, I know they don't literally have a spinal column, but I know that like in humans, part... Uh, my, or I don't actually know this. Part of my understanding of the hind brain is that it's like it's like at the brain stem and like connected to the um, like spinal column, like part of the maybe I guess a reason is a strong word, but like utility of that is that it's like physically closer to the thing like the, it, your spine where it can send messages to the rest of your body to do stuff and also receive messages and even parts of your sp- spinal column can like send can like. I think parts of your spinal spinal column can even like send messages without sending them all the way back up to your brain. Right, like, like if your arm hands. touches something hot, right. you have reflexes that immediately take your hand off of it before that signal even reaches your brain. So right. you're already out of that danger before your brain has even processed what's happening. What you're talking about is very very important. Okay. Cool. So very very good point to bring up. So <laughs> the difference though is that. Uh, in humans, in general, outside of those like rare cases of like reflexes, mm-hmm. in general, human intelligence and other vertebrate intelligence is centralized. We have a spinal column that leads mm-hmm. up to a fully formed functional brain mm-hmm. at the head of our bodies. Yeah. So let's talk about why octopuses are very different. <laughs> so uh, one thing that's really interesting that uh, we humans have is called a somatotopic map. What that just means okay. is basically our brains contain a map of our bodies. That's why if you close your eyes and you put out your finger, you can still touch your nose without looking. Got it. This is proprioception. Proprioception, exactly. 
our, our body, our brains are able to know where the rest of our body is in relation to other parts. Mm -hmm. We have a map of our body in our brains. It's called somatotopic map. Cool. Good word. Somatotope, somatotopic? Yeah. Somatotopic. Uh, so in octopuses, they did uh, studies of electrical stimulation of the brains. Uh -huh. They couldn't find any somatotopic mapping. Okay. How, so they, what is the way, like, in terms of our knowledge of our own body and how we make that mapping, just how detailed and definite is our knowledge of, like, how that information is stored and, like, you know, what the, what sense allows you to know that, you know, the relative position of your body parts? Um, it's actually a combination of a lot of different factors. One is just as an example, uh, our inner ears are used for balance. Yeah. So they tell us a lot of information about the orientation of our body and can help us like regain balance. Um, that's why ear infections can make you dizzy. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of information that our brains are processing centrally from mm -hmm. all different parts of the body. So I, to be honest, I'm not sure exactly like what that somatotopic map looks like in humans but the idea is that we've found like studies have shown that we have that okay and to be honest neurobiology is not my area of expertise yeah. so this is very complicated feels like uh it feels like one of those things that's like it's like emergent like it's like i mean i i'm, I'm speaking on my ass here but i it feels like especially based on what you just said dave about it coming from a bunch of different sources and that there's like a bunch of different parts of our brain responsible makes it feel like an emergent property as opposed to like there's a specific structure that's responsible for storing the somatotopic map it's more like uh just because of all of the information we have incidentally we happen to know where all of our body parts are right like here for the the inner ear it uses like there's like a fluid in there and like hair cells mm -hmm. that can tell the direction that your head is moving or if it's rotating right. at different times which is yeah different from i think any other proprioception mechanism right because i mean there's also just like i know where my toes are relative to like right. my hand which is like that has nothing to do with my inner ear and probably has something to do with like my body being able to measure how like tensed all of my muscles are and like where there's like tension and also like my ankles resting on my knee and so i can feel my ankle with my knee and my knee with my ankle all that kind of stuff feels yeah like basic hand-eye coordination is is exactly what we're talking about here yeah and uh the problem is that octopuses just don't seem to have it which is why i think we <laughs> talked about this last time but octopuses yeah. don't know where their arms are in order to guide their arms to stuff they have to literally physically see their arms with their eyes huh <laughs> it seems so crazy like how many arms like... how many eyes do they have they have two eyes. two eyes and are they are they kind of like our eyes like kind of like pointing one direction or are they like you know 180 so i think we, we talked about this a little bit last time octopus eyes are fairly similar to ours which is uh, an example of conversion evolution but basically they're outward facing eyes with uh slitted pupils that often take up like different shapes hmm. so their vision is very strange yeah but they but they're on they're not on the front of their head right they're on yeah they're, the they're sort of on the, the side yeah so, like, they can sort of probably, probably each eye can see, like, a span of four temp, uh, arms. -ish. Right. So, there, there's one thing, though, that more research needs to be done on this, but there's potentially someone found a somatotopic map in octopuses. Mm. And where it is, I think this, when I read this, this blew my mind. 
the research suggests that, uh, do you remember when we were talking about last time, the octopus's ability to change its skin color? Those yeah. chromatophore cells that uh, yeah. can react to light and can uh, uh, change the color of the surrounding cells? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's possible that there is a um, body map found in those. The fuck does that what? even mean? Right? Yeah. Its skin so knows what that where its legs are? Their skin, it, like their skin might, yeah, their skin might have a better idea of where its body parts are than its brain. What the hell? Yeah. Well, so like. That makes sense as to why they're so good at camouflage, right? Like, that's exactly yeah, what I was 100%. thinking. Yeah, I totally agree, Sabrina. Like that, just like it. In some ways, it's like I guess obviously that needs to be the case because like the skin cells need to know what color to make them, and that matters depending on like where the rest of the leg is. I guess. So, <laughs> so like, would would the skin cell have some kind of uh, optical receptor to be able to know? like around a certain area like what color it needs to be it does okay in fact it, it does, does. Have that. We, we talked about that last time where yeah. the, the chromatophore cells can literally see light mm. and i guess so, i assumed that that was not a nervous response but it, right. you're saying it is like it, there's like it's not it's not that like there's know. some chemistry mm -hmm. that results in the cells changing color it's like there are nerves like optical nerves and also yeah. the collection of those nerves makes up a neural network smart enough to know where legs are in space. Right. Which is bizarre. <laughs> and make a coordinated, uh, like, camouflage uh, yeah. array. That's, yeah, crazy that they've developed the, like, they've developed that ability, but only for the purpose of camouflage. And they're able yeah, to do everything exactly. else without it. exactly. Yeah, yeah they're I, like I, I don't need to know where my arms are. I can just look for them. It almost <laughs> makes you wonder, like, okay, so one thing I think about all the time is that like my dogs don't have proprioception. Like Wally doesn't know where his back legs are, nor where his tail is. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a lot. Which like I'm not. It sounds like a just like oh, dogs, dogs are dopey. But also like think about what you need proprioception for. Like if you're a human and you're standing on two legs, you cannot fucking go anywhere unless you know where all your body parts are walking on two legs is so hard like it is so like it's so much harder to build a robot that walks on two legs than a robot that walks on four legs yeah right mm -hmm. but like if you it's just like i i'm i really truly wonder if they're like what the proportion of mammals that have like true somatotopic maps is you know that's a like, good I, question that could be definitely something that like we could look into here yeah, so curious. So uh, anyway, I wanted to talk about one other thing that uh, Sabrina actually found this this really interesting uh, thing that ties in to uh, what we're talking about here. Um, basically, they found that um, when octopuses get an injury to one of their arms, it can produce long-term behavioral and neural hypersensitivity. What? Basically, what like does that mean? if you hurt an octopus's arm, it will have like extreme responses to stimulus in that region. Like, it like, has brain damage. Like, it has brain damage. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, that seems... Its, it's neurons will uh, react much quicker, much more strongly to uh, certain stimuli. I think, like, electrical shocks, stuff like oh, that. I almost wonder if that's, like, a, it's, like, a selfishness mechanism, right? Like, it's, like, it's, like, as you're saying, you keep saying it, it's being more, it's more sensitive. It's, like, that arm is, like, guys, protect me, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I, I would bet that's the evolutionary reason. That, like, it's, it's a way yeah. to protect that particular part of the body from further injury. Uh -huh. Uh 
Uh-huh, uh-huh. Especially because especially because like doesn't know where, where his arm is, so it just like has to make sure it's protected all the Right. Time. The arm has yeah. to be the one that's like like the arm has to broadcast that information because the rest of the, the alarm doesn't signal. know where exactly. that arm is. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, so that's like uh also just uh one more piece of interesting information. The uh so in the vertebrates we have what's called the thalamus which is thought to be like the center of pain and consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no real analog to that in octopuses. Hmm. Um, they're, yeah, their neurosecretory, neurosecretory structures are spread out all throughout the body. So whereas like, just our like brains are responsible. Yeah, exactly. Whereas our brains are mainly responsible for sending out hormones and different um, cell messaging uh, signals. Mm. Octopuses don't really have a centralized location to do that. Their neurosecretory cells are spread everywhere. Do they use hormones for communication in the same way? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. That's so interesting. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the evolutionary origin of, of this, this split. Because as you can see here, it's, it's so radically different from the human brain. I mean, yeah. what little centralization the octopus does have is wrapped around its esophagus. Which, <laughs> why? <laughs> it's just what? So, so radically different from any like vertebrate structure. So the difference here is that basically what happened is we have two different versions of a brain that evolved independently. So if you if you think of evolution as like a branching tree, imagine like a Y, a split between two organisms. At one end of the Y we have octopuses, at the other end we have humans. And the mm-hmm. fork of the Y, that split, is our most recent common ancestor. Now, when you split like that, both of those lineages can evolve separately. Now our lineage followed the vertebrate path. We developed a spinal column, like a centralized spinal column, mm-hmm. reinforced by bone and a uh, central brain put at the front of our bodies with uh, with a lot of our sensory organs put at the front of our bodies too eyes mm-hmm. uh, ears nose cephalopods octopuses didn't do that so there um i'm going to read a quote here from a scientific american article on the other side the cephalopod side a different body plan evolved and a different kind of nervous system invertebrates neurons are often collected into many ganglia little knots that are spread through the body and connected to one another the ganglia can be arranged in pairs, linked by connectors that run along the body and across it, like lines of latitude and longitude. This is sometimes called a ladder-like nervous system. So basically ladder, what they're saying... Say ladder-like? Ladder-like. So imagine a ladder, and yeah. each rung of the ladder is the connection between two ganglia. The ganglia mm. would be where each rung goes into the side of the ladder. Like the vertices. That central... Yeah, exactly. And... Basically, invertebrates have this really simplified nervous system with this ladder of ganglia that runs all along their body. They have, hmm. you know, two lines going along it and oh, several it's lines going like across. It's literally lines. arranged like a ladder. Oh. And if you've ever taken a, um, a, a lab biology course, especially in uh, entomology, one of the mm. things you'll do is dissect like a cockroach. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to see this in uh, relatives of the octopus, invertebrates like insects, uh, really simple flatworms. This, mm-hmm. this ladder-like nervous system is pretty easy to see. Interesting. Now, cephalopods, what happened with them was they went down that path, sticking to the ladder-like ganglia. Yeah. Now, instead of developing a centralized brain, like humans and other vertebrates did, cephalopods, like their ganglia 
certain ones became larger and more complex, and then new ones were added. Uh, there is some encephalization, which means there is some, like, central brain that formed at the head, which the octopuses do have, like, between their eyes and, again, around their throat is, mm-hmm. is like, as much of a central brain as they have. But in general, the ladder-like design is still very strong. Like, it's, it's the ganglia. Is the central brain distinct from the ganglia? Like, it's a separate nerve? It's not one of the ganglia turned into an encephalo. It was that... The, this What's brain, the difference? Like, I don't really know. I guess what I mean is like. Are you are you asking if like a collection of like lots of ganglia in one? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kind of asking like yeah, sort of. I I think so. Basically, I'm asking like, did the top of this ladder structure just like all team up and form like a central like brain structure, or like was this like uh, there was like an independent um, like neural structure? developed that then attached to the game i guess as i'm asking it it doesn't really make any sense it must have been the first thing right yeah i think i think the idea is that what what little like centralization there is is just the ganglia evolving becoming more complex and larger Mm. and just uh centralizing themselves in what happened to be the front of the body just for whatever reason evolutionarily it makes sense to put the smart part at the front because it's close to the sensory organs right right but why put the sensory like... organs, what determines what the front is? Where the sensory organs are. <laughs> right. It's, it's real complicated. Now we're getting into, like, developmental biology, and it yeah. is very complex. Hmm. So what's interesting is we actually are going to talk about this a little bit. The next the next step is, so that's, that's the evolutionary origin. Basically, octopuses went down this separate evolutionary path where instead of having um, a centralized nervous system that, like, radiates uh-huh. out to the body, they're... Uh-huh. They already had the radiated centers, and so they have multiple of these centers of nervous activity throughout the body. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting here is there's a genetic basis for this as well. So uh, we actually did sequence the genome of a certain species of octopus, and uh, what they found was really, really interesting. Um, They found that octopuses express a group of proteins called protocatarins. And that's just a long word for a specific type of protein that's important in nervous system organization. Okay. Basically, octopuses show the same basic organization chemistry as vertebrates. Okay. Now, they have a high diversity of these protocatarin proteins. Like, for example, uh, there's a gene that encodes over 70 of these proteins that's highly expressed in octopus suckers. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. So, <laughs> so their 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 sucker cells are like releasing a lot of the protein used for organizing neural structures. That's what you're yeah. saying. Because what <laughs> protocatarins do at the same time. Well, yeah, right. It's just that in a human, that it would just that that would be like a nonsensical. You know, it's like, yeah, your fingers need to all be able to move at the same time. So you have a big part of your brain dedicated to move. Like, your your fingers aren't then developing neural hierarchy yeah, on their own. Cool, I'm going to stop you right there. That word, hierarchy, mm. it came up a lot in a lot of this research. Yeah. One of the biggest problems I had with understanding all of this was yeah. having to let go of this idea of hierarchy. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. Octopuses it's just like, don't have a hierarchical nervous yeah, system. right. There's no boss that they answer to, like humans in our brain. It's like socialism v. communism. 
<laughs> so right? like it's like or like anarcho-communism it's like just like there's like there's no yeah i got it i got octo-communism it. no top-down communication octo-communism that's good so protocaterins these proteins that i'm talking about um what they do is their job is regulating short-range interactions between nerve cells and between neural right. circuits so basically their job is to manage the local transmission of neural signals okay now having a lot of these different protocaterins allows for a lot of local control of neural signaling which right. is why they might be expressed in suckers which is why octopus suckers have taste buds and like <laughs> chemosensory right. organs they can taste with their yeah. arms yeah rather than having to send it to a central brain for processing Hmm. Um, would I want that? I don't know if I would want that. Well, but think about it. It's so, it's, you wouldn't even, I don't, I don't think I would want you that. wouldn't know you had it. Do you know what I mean? Like, your fingers would be tasting and then making decisions based on what they tasted, but your brain would never be told what you, you wouldn't, it's not oh, like you're tasting so it with wouldn't your be mouth, like, you know? Yeah, no, that's not what it would be. Okay, then I want that. <laughs> right, yeah, you could, you could pick up something and be like, this tastes bad, and then put it down without needing to, Eat it. You wouldn't ever experience the taste. Right. There wouldn't you be would like just a... know that it doesn't taste right. good. You'd just be like, oh, my hand is bringing this to me. Must be good. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. So uh, just as an example of the, the extreme diversity in these protocaterin, these local neuron connectivity proteins, mm. um, humans have around 60 different versions of this protein. They have 60 different proteins. That's way more than I thought you were going to say. Okay. Octopuses have 168. Oh my gosh. So, like, double. More than double <laughs> what humans have. And okay. so what's interesting, like, what's crazy about this, we didn't know any other animal had these. Oh, just had them at all. Right. We didn't know any other animal had these at all. Wait, wait. We thought any animal other than vertebrates or other than humans? Other than vertebrates. We oh, thought, okay, we okay. thought protocaterans were solely a vertebrate phenomenon. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But it seems like octopuses have them too. So the implication there wow. is that at some level, lots of organisms have them because at some level, probably our most recent common ancestor had those, mm, but only so? vertebrates and octopuses evolved them. It's also possible that those things evolved two separate times. Yeah. But it's just hard for me to imagine that like the usefulness of proteins for local neuron connectivity isn't universal. Do squids have it? But like, it's not. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, come on, Dave. Um, Look, wait, this is so... an octopus episode, okay? I didn't do fucking squid research. <laughs> so wait, wait, okay, okay, okay. So you're saying, you're saying we don't actually know this. The two options are either the common ancestor between humans and octopuses had this protein, had these proteins, which would be kind of wild because that's like the common ancestor is not very common right Hundreds like we're talking of about something of years from... ago yes we're we're talking about the common ancestor of a human and an octopus is like a little flatworm it's from... like but it's like and and it's like i it feels like that's like most animals evolved from that common ancestor <laughs> right yeah right so like for for it to have gone away in most other and not most other invertebrates seems weird well no? i i i think what i'm saying is that there might be some like really simple version of this mm. and only vertebrates and octopuses like expanded this 
part of their oh, genome. Oh, oh, gotcha. oh, sure. So, they, they're so maybe the there's just like one protein. Exactly. That's We're like, the only ones yeah. who have like a huge diversity of these proteins. Mm. Right. So the other option is convergent evolution? Right. The other option is that vertebrates and octopuses completely separately evolved this mechanism. Right. Seems like on some level it's convergent evolution either way, right? Like it's either like yeah. there was some yeah. shared basis and they both developed the same endpoint or similar endpoints. Octopus seem to have gotten there better than us, but like <laughs> similar endpoints. Or like there was no shared basis and they developed similar endpoints. It feels like either way there was some amount of convergent evolution, although like, yeah, obviously there's a question of like what how similar was the shared starting point yeah i don't know yeah. where the line is there exactly. yeah i don't know which either. is complicated <laughs> and hard to study because octopuses don't fossilize well oh, oh no so it's real hard to look back at the fossil record and see like oh that sucks oh, yeah because babies eat them <laughs> oh no <laughs> because they're all soft tissue yeah, yeah right uh, yeah there's no vertebrae right yeah exactly. so so basically just to sum up this this portion so Octopus's nervous system is based in a ladder-like system of ganglia, which is a different spread than how humans and other vertebrates have. And so because of this different spread, local neural connections, like at different parts of the body, like the connection from a nerve at the end of a tentacle to a different nerve at the end of a tentacle, is very, very important. And octopuses have a genetic basis for developing proteins that assist in local neuron connectivity, which is previously thought only to be in vertebrates. Yeah, so yeah. it basically makes sense that octopuses have just an entirely different structure to their nervous system than we do. Basically, mm -hmm. their whole body is their brain. Yeah. Their skin, their arms, every part of them has its own miniature their brain skin. responsible for its, the function the, the of skin its own. Is it's crazy. It's yeah. so crazy. It's like, like, actually, it's I don't know why that's the part that I can't get over, but like, like every other part of this, I was like, I think I can, I can wrap my head around this. And then you were like, and their skin knows where their legs are. And my brain was like, fucking no way, yeah. man. Because, like, your yeah. hand, like you have like reflexes. So it's like, oh yeah, my hand does things and I'm not conscious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my skin does things. Your skin. Right? Jeez. It's so interesting. Your skin um, is the smartest organ in your body. The smartest. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's actually a term for this that I, that I learned uh, that I found really interesting. It's called embodied mind. Basically, I've heard of that. Yeah. So it, it's it's usually used in robotics to uh, yeah. it's it, an approach to designing. This is a quote from Science Direct. Uh, intelligent embodiment. It refers to an approach to designing autonomous robots in which the behavior emerges from the dynamic physical and sensory interactions of the material, morphology, and environment. Basically, mm -hmm. how do you make a robot? that sort of does it on its own without needing to be controlled. And that idea is what goes into the idea of embodied intelligence. And the argument is that because octopuses have this extremely bizarre nervous system, yet have an astounding number of neurons, uh, they have half a billion neurons, which is as many as in, are in dogs. Whoa. Uh, wow. I, think, I think humans have hundreds of billions. Wait, yeah, no, no, right, the order of magnitude's off. But, like, but so, uh, you might not know this. I'm Now I'm finding myself wondering, because of the weird, like, distributed structure in octopuses' brains, or, like, in octopuses' ner nervous systems, like, do they have fewer connections between neurons? Or do they have more connections between neurons? That's than, a like, really good question. Mammalian brain? I, I don't know. 
I, I think I think the implication though, because of the the protocatarins, if I'm understanding this correctly, and again, neurobiology is definitely not my strong suit. <laughs> But if yeah. I'm understanding it correctly, the, the use of these proteins in local nerve connections sort of implies that local nerve connections, that there's more connections between neurons mm. throughout the body. That's like a human yeah. brain might have more uh, neural connections within the brain itself, but in the rest yeah. of the body, it's sort of just lines radiating from the brain. Yep. yep. Whereas in octopuses, the implication is that it's a web, a net of neural connections all over the body. Right. So, so interesting. All of this research suggests that we should think of octopuses as having this embodied intelligence. They have no distinct body map. There's their neurosecretory glands and neurons are spread out throughout the body. Their brains have a ton of lobes, and they have a high concentration of these proteins involved in vocal nerve connections. So in order to like think about their intelligence, we have to think about them as a whole being because they have no analogous centralization. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just had a thought. Wait, I just sorry, I keep interrupting you, but. The, like, this, you, the thing that you just said made me think of this, which is, like, uh, I'm, they, they don't have, they, there's just, it's not meaningful to talk about, uh, like, a body map for an octopus, right? Because, like, their, their brain can, takes up their entire body. The thing right. that I just thought of is just, like, like si- kind of similarly, like, I don't have a map of my head. Like, I don't have, I don't have a, there's, I don't have a sense of, where my the back of my head is relative to my eyeballs or something like that you know what i mean like there's no like i can i can bring my hand to the back of my head but like right. the, the whole this region you know what i mean like it starts like if you start thinking about like what if your whole body was only your head there's not really anything to map it's like Honestly, everything everything's uh, directly in control of everything a really good else. example a really good example of this phenomenon that you're talking about Tell is me. uh have you ever had a piece of food stuck in your teeth Mm. And your tongue can find it very easily, but your Dang, hand your just finger can't. can't find it. Your finger yeah, just yeah. can't find it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah totally. It's, it's region specific. Your body mm. map is spread out like your hand is, it doesn't have the specificity oh, that your tongue has. So like my tongue, that's interesting. My tongue's better at, the, <laughs> that's so weird. I don't even know how to describe <laughs> this. The part of my brain that contains the the map for the inside of my mouth is also, I guess, better connected to my tongue than it is to my hands. Right. And so it's it's easier to receive feedback from and give instructions to my tongue about where to touch in my mouth than it is to take that same feedback and tell my finger where to touch in my mouth. Right. That's terrible. Yeah. This is this is really reinforcing the it's an emergent property thing in my head. <laughs> I think what this does for me, honestly, is it made me really reconsider what it means to be conscious. Like we have such a like anthropocentric view of consciousness. Well, yeah. And in order to understand anything about intelligence and octopuses, we really have to shed that. So the mm. next section I want to go into here is is so fun. You guys are gonna love this. So. Uh-huh. How do you test intelligence in octopuses? Well, there's no analogous structures to just measure. There's yeah. no like organization that perfectly maps to human brains. So it's so mm-hmm. hard to compare to human brains. The only thing we can do is behavior tests. And octopuses are crazy at behavior tests. Huh. So I want to plug a book that I, I really love called The Soul of an Octopus by Cy Montgomery. Ooh. And uh, it's fantastic she she's a naturalist who writes about her experiences working with octopuses in the new england aquarium and it is 
magical. She talks all about their like consciousness and uh, their behavior tests. So I have a bunch of these like little uh, 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 um, stories about octopus behavior tests. So first off, we talked about how their skin has a brain, right? Yeah. Uh, they, the, the author of this describes octopuses using skin color and texture to show their mood. So mm. a giant Pacific octopus will be red when it's excited and white when it's relaxed. What? <laughs> um, and uh, but it's like, to her, but it's like, what does that even mean? Like the, like, is the skin excited? Like I'm imagining a situation in, like one of the arms is excited, so it releases some I'm excited hormones. <laughs> right. Skins are like, I guess we're excited now. <laughs> oh, cool. The rest of the arms are like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. So. And she also notes that an octopus presented with a difficult puzzle for the first time often undergoes several rapid changes in color, like a person who frowns, bites their lip, and furrows his brow when oh, trying to solve a problem. Oh, so funny! Wait, but, but what if it's, like, like only one part of its arm changes color? Is it, like, only part of it's sad or mad? Or... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. It's because it's so weird. Apparently, like, in general, they'll turn their whole body a certain color when they're feeling a certain way. But, again, that it's, it's a really good question that I don't super have the answer to. So, another thing that's uh, really important for intelligence, as far as we've determined, is the use of tools, right? So, yeah. tool use is a huge sign of intelligence in different animals. Right. Um, octopuses use tools. Uh, they frequently will use bivalve shells as shelter. It's called fortressing what? behavior. They will... They will so it's different from like a hermit crab who will crawl inside like a yeah. snail shell and just live there. Yeah. Octopuses will actually hold on to they'll search for it, find it, and carry it around for like later use, as well as picking up multiple shells. Uh -huh. Like they will uh, basically pick up two shells <laughs> and put it around themselves <laughs> like shields <laughs> as protection. Oh they're, my god, these are like little ones, right? Uh, it, it, they're, even big ones will do it too. They'll pick up like bigger shells and just like put it around themselves. There's octopuses using different materials to block the entrances to their dens, including one octopus that used fucking Lego. <laughs> what? Yeah. It used That's Legos amazing. to block its lair in a lab. Did it like construct things with the Legos or just like I, I think I think it was just like it had chunks of Lego and just like stacked them. Nice. The yeah. block is like what the hell? That's so great. So I, I think one one big thing that uh so we talked about tool use here. Another thing that's really important is in intelligence uh, measuring is play behavior. Yeah. Octopuses uh, engage in play behavior. They okay. love puzzles. They love uh, to solve different puzzles. So I'm, I'll tell you a little bit about a. Uh, um, one puzzle that a uh, an engineer at the New England Aquarium developed. Basically, uh, what it is is it's a, it's a set of three clear plexiglass cubes, and inside they're like you put a crab in one cube, then you put that cube inside the second cube, and you put okay. that cube inside a third cube. Yeah. And each cube has a different lock. Okay. So like the first one that holds the crab is like it just has a simple sliding latch. One slides to catch like a bracket. And then the other has a bolt and like a, a lever arm, like a canning jar. Okay. And what they do is they introduce each box over a period of a few months. You start with just putting a crab in a box and just shut it without locking it. Octopus figures it out. 
After a couple weekly tries, you trust out with the lock, Octopus figures it out. Then you take it and you put it in the second box. Octopus will figure it out after a couple weekly tries. And over a few months, they'll master each box. And at the end, they can solve like all three boxes locked inside in minutes. Yeah, wow. Like an octopus, they're, they're recording these octopuses solving these like very complicated puzzles in minutes. And the best thing is, not all octopuses have the same strategy to solving these oh, puzzles. awesome. So one, one octopus um, got fed up and just started squeezing the box and cracked it. <laughs> Another octopus? That feels like the Wally approach. Yeah. <laughs> Another octopus opened the second box and then crawled inside, wedging itself between the two boxes. <laughs> what? He's just trying to go inside because their bodies are like completely like just yeah <laughs> so um, another really important part of uh caring for octopuses is um octopuses will get bored mm. you'll find this in a lot of uh, uh animals with uh any like modicum of intelligence basically you yeah. need to have enrichment in their like habitat that's uh-huh. why zoos will have like tire swings for in their chimpanzee exhibit they'll have mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff uh basically you need to keep your animals like entertained and keep their brain engaged Otherwise, they get really unhealthy. When we and, went to the San Francisco Zoo, they had this, like, big thing where they were, like, really, I don't know, I guess they were, like, doing a lot to make sure they had enrichment for all their animals. They had a Komodo dragon, which, first of all, is just the fucking coolest. Oh, my God, those things are terrifying. <laughs> um, but they had a Komodo dragon, and they had set up all of these different systems to, like, kind of, like entertain but also like keep it like kind of on its toes i guess they have a lot of they're used to having a lot of agency yeah and so this is like a way for them to maintain so they would they would give them signals about how their environment was going to change and then they would change part of the environment and allow them to pick which part of their environment they wanted to be in so they would they would have like flashing lights like a like a strobing light meant that like this part of the environment was going to start raining and so they could opt to either go and like basically take a shower or stay out of the rain or they would have like different parts of the environment would like be heated up at like sort of random times to like give them a sense of like just like kind of moderating their own temperature by like figuring out which parts of like this ever-changing environment were like warm or cold or whatever it was that's very really cool i've never seen yeah. that before but that seems like a great way to handle it because i don't know a lot of animals will be like really lethargic in captivity and just sort of yeah. sit in the same spot and be unhappy mm-hmm. but this is yeah. like a really cool way to Oh, the, the anteater. Oh, yeah, the anteater the was The anteater cool was too. the best one. They had three giant ant cannons. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to elaborate We're to a good on start. what that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so, like, you walk up to this exhibit, and in front of you, there's, like, a fence, and then there's a moat, and then there's, like, this big, wide... It looks like a... What's it called when you make a diorama? It looks like a diorama. Yeah. Like, it's, like, there. you know, there's, like, a wall, and, and then there's, like... A flat there's like a flat wall there's a floor there's walls on the side and then there's like this little half roof and on top of the roof there's this thing that looks like a chicken foot like it's like it's like it's like uh, pvc pipe yeah three it's like a pvc pipe that splits in three directions yeah and and there there's just like tubes going in three different directions like down and then to each side and they they uh, they fire insects out of the <laughs> tubes, but like they pick which tube it goes out of randomly, so that the anteater has to like go hunt. 
and the food doesn't always come from the same place. Oh my god. It's yeah. so crazy. That's how you stop them from getting chubby. Like, you have to go run. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, go yeah, get your food. Yeah. yeah. I just like the term ant cannon. Because <laughs> uh, I was imagining it spelled A-U-N-T. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, we're talking about enrichment here. And clearly, it's really important in, in any animal. But especially intelligent animals. Um, mm. So, octopuses definitely get bored. And they'll do play behaviors. Like, uh, there was one octopus that uh, had a, like... A little orb that was sort of like a hamster ball mm-hmm. that like screwed open, like screwed in half, and yeah. uh, the the scientists would put food inside. And the octopus would open it up to get the food, and then it would screw it back together. <laughs> <laughs> just for like no for reason, fun. just for fun. <laughs> there's great. also there's also like octopuses playing like with their siphon. There was like a little <laughs> ball that was floating in the water, and it was shooting water at it with his siphon and then it was like shooting it back and forth it was playing catch so the reason that you have to keep these octopuses like entertained is because like some animals when they get bored will like become unhealthy and lethargic octopuses will try to break the fuck out yeah. I've been waiting for this. I know. I was like, I, I know that like, there are jailbreak stories they, coming. Yeah, they escape. <laughs> Tell me about the escapes. <laughs> so there are so many stories about octopus escapes. Um, like, they just break out of their containers in the aquarium and go into a drain pipe and go back to the ocean and just disappear. Oh my god, what? <laughs> um, there's, there's this one old story about um, an octopus breaking out of its tank, going into a different tank and eating the fish. And then yes. returning back to its original tank. <laughs> I couldn't find any evidence to back up that story. Oh, there are definitely stories, though, of them crawling into another tank and just staying there because there's okay. food there. <laughs> yeah. So, like, why leave? Yeah, why leave? It's, it's possible that an octopus could do that, but why yeah. would they go back to a tank that doesn't <laughs> have regular food? Right. Um, there's another story about uh, an octopus. Like, if you put an octopus... You have to be very careful about putting octopuses with other tank mates. Like, mm-hmm. they, there was one aquarium that put an octopus with a couple nurse sharks, thinking that they would just, like, leave each other alone. Nope. Octopus systematically murdered the nurse sharks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Didn't eat them. Just left them. Oh, it killed no. Them, like, preemptively. <laughs> so... Like, so Sai Montgomery, the author of this uh, book, Soul of an Octopus, records stories of other escapes as well. Um, I think my favorite one is uh, there was one where uh, an aquarium security guard found an octopus on the floor and followed, like, the trail of water uh, back to the tank. So he, like, picked it up, put the octopus back to the ta- back in the tank, reports it to his superior. Um, the aquarium didn't know they had an octopus. it had apparently got there as a juvenile and just hid in the tank for weeks months without anyone knowing it was there what (laughs) until it escaped miraculously one night yeah apparently the security guard described it as yeah i saw a banana peel on the ground and got confused (laughs) so octopus tanks have to be like as escape proof as possible or they will just bounce (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy so uh some other interesting bits of octopus intelligence is um octopuses can recognize individual humans whoa so it's interesting uh, because they're not social right isn't that really fucking weird yeah (laughs) so 
Research by Seattle Aquarium director Roland Anderson. Um, what he did was he uh, had eight octopuses in the aquarium, and he exposed them to two new humans who were dressed identically in, like, blue scrubs. Okay. One consistently fed the octopus, while the other consistently poked them with, like, a bristly stick. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. That's so <laughs> fucked up. Uh, the octopuses, like, looked through the water, and they would, con- they would like, move toward the person who fed them and away from the irritator mm. within a week. Whoa. Wow. So one of my uh, roommates, I don't know if any of you knew Jack Hildick Smith, but he uh, did mm-hmm. research on cuttlefish, uh, you know, another cephalopod oh, yeah. with you know, a lot of the same capabilities. And he said, like, after a while of feeding it and stuff, he could stick his hand in the tank and it would come up and sort of, like, feel up on his hand with its tentacles <laughs> and just sort of, like, acknowledge his presence that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually what Soul of an Octopus is, is mainly about, uh, this naturalist, like, develop actual bonds with these octopuses like they sense them they react differently they have personalities and yeah so some something that the octopuses would do in this example where they like learned about two individual people um they would regularly aim their siphon at the irritator (laughs) because they use their siphon to squirt water and stuff they don't like (laughs) so there's this little uh there's a little anecdote from this book uh one volunteer at the New England Aquarium always got the same treatment from the octopus named Truman, who would shoot a soaking stream of salt water at her every time he saw her. <laughs> later, the volunteer left her position at the aquarium for college. Months later, she returned for a visit. Truman, who hadn't squirted anyone in the meantime, instantly soaked her again. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. There's another story about, um, so Reed, you were talking about the cuttlefish like clinging onto him. So octopuses do that frequently as well, like especially to feeders. And there was an yeah. octopus that was clinging onto one of his feeders. And so the feeder like couldn't like he was like trying to get him off and he was like, you know what? Okay, this is getting annoying. So what the feeder did was uh, took a bucket of fresh water, splashed it on the octopus. <laughs> the octopus then flashed bright red and squirted him back with some sightings. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Like it's it's just amazing. Um, the last thing I want to talk about uh, is is not super long, but basically uh, something that Soul of an Octopus talks about a lot is uh, it covers the life cycle of an octopus. And mm. one of the octopuses uh, in the story, in the book, is uh, is the one who cared for her unfertilized eggs oh, right? yeah, okay. for, for months. Right. Basically, what we're seeing here is senescence, which means aging. And uh, one of the researchers in the book says that they hesitate to use the word dementia because that has like specific connotations for humans with uh, mm. mental illness and isn't guaranteed in all humans. But there is some mental deterioration in older octopuses. Hmm. Before death, octopuses will become, like, unresponsive, immobile. Their skin will become, like, gray or tan. They won't change colors as often or as frequently. Their eyes won't be active. They won't be looking around. They definitely won't eat. They'll barely interact with feeders and other people taking care of them. Hmm. And sometimes they become aggressive, like, unexpectedly. Their personality mm. will change. So I just I just found that really interesting that clearly is that something that's the, not common in other or like what is that is that like what's why did that stand out to you? It stood out to me because um it, it spoke to me about how octopuses have personalities mm. and the fact that these like personalities change as they age, that was mm. really relatable to me. Like that felt like very analogous to human intelligence. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. like I'm sure it does happen in other organisms where, like, there's some form of mental deterioration as you age. 
-hmm. but usually like animals in the wild just don't live that long it's usually predation but like we've seen studies of like really intelligent animals who do have these sort of personality changes as they age i think it's been studied in elephants especially Mm -hmm. like older elephants might become aggressive um and i found it really interesting that octopuses would do that too because it's a measure of there is a base level of intelligence that they have yeah and they lose a bit of that as they age right 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 which so yeah octopuses are insane in summary octopus brains are totally incomprehensible to us their intelligence is entirely like we can't even fathom what it must feel like to be an octopus all we can do is study their behaviors and the behaviors speak to a very high level of intelligence and so that's why octopuses are just one of my favorite animals so to wrap up i actually a uh, actually wrote a little poem i'm so excited so uh this poem it's called if i were an octopus if i were an octopus i'd need an optometrist to check that my eyes can see far and wide if i were an octopus and i met a hippopotamus he'd wish he could fish me but my body's too squishy if i were an octopus i'd climb mount olympus through stratus and nimbus i'd go beat up hades if i were an octopus i'd be a proctologist in my arms i would carry the tools of the trades. if i were an octopus i'd go play bingo covering eight cards with i-17 if i were an octopus i would eat ringo who went in my garden and made quite a scene if you had the chance you'd be one too if i were an octopus i'd wrap all my arms around you Aww, that was cute and that's all the information i have about octopuses Whew. wow man that was excellent uh, disappointing lack of squid but no please don't make me do that someone else has to do that <laughs> i gotta say that i felt like i was wrapping my head wrapping my head around the just sort of the idea of the like intelligence networks for the whole body but then when you yeah try to reconcile that with the like re-screwing the the ball with the food yeah. or playing with the ball it's like how does how does yeah. thought work how does this like abstract thinking of <laughs> like this is right a, there a is thing there must be some sort of whole body coordination yeah but how do they get there yeah. there's no <laughs> obvious feedback to put something back together like that or you know it's yeah I, I think it's, it's what, uh, I, I forget who said it earlier, but uh, I think it was you, Sabrina, you said something about, like, is if, like, one part of their body changes, like, is just the arm happy? <laughs> or, like, is the whole body happy? Yeah. And it's a complicated and it's like, question. is that even meaningful? And, like, yeah, and it, it's kind of interesting, too, because, like, I think humans can have those kinds of, like, uh, oxymoronic experiences, right? Where, like, you can be like at the same time experience like happiness and bitterness or happiness and sadness or like also i think like um you know like when you're anxious or when you're mad or something you can feel it in certain parts of your body so i'm mm. wondering if it's the same same thing that's interesting yeah totally i don't know it's it's so hard to even think about like i feel like one of the things uh so dave when you were talking about um, or, like, it sort of, like, comes from a lot of the things we were talking about in this episode, actually, but just, like, the idea of, like, emergent behaviors mm-hmm. and how you can have, like, really simple mechanisms. I mean, obviously nothing about a, any half-billion neuron system is, like, simple, but uh, 
but like the the there is an idea in um in developmental psychology of like emergent behaviors and like that you can have like really really complex emergent behaviors from really simple mm -hmm. uh like like feedback mechanisms and sensory mechanisms and like one of the examples that was that i've heard is like you know you you can have like a little toy car that's powered by solar power and you can have like you can have a solar panel on each like wheel like next to each wheel and you can either have that solar panel power that wheel or you can have it power the wheel on the opposite side and the experience from the outside that you'll see is what appears to be a creature that is either attracted to or afraid of light but, we, right. but the actual mechanism is is like practically binary right like it's like the simplest mechanism that could exist the behavior is really complex and it, the thing that always made and i think the point that was being made when i was uh like in the lecture where they where they were talking about that like was that like th this applies to humans too like like we perceive our behaviors as like stemming from consciousness and being very complex and therefore perceive like simpler quote-unquote behaviors from other organisms as like as like orders of magnitude less complex and therefore less like us and therefore less having consciousness etc etc and i feel like the thing that i keep coming back to as we talk about this stuff and as i think about that that concept in developmental psychology of emergent behaviors it's like humans maybe like actually aren't all that complex and like it's like the fact yeah. that we can perceive can perceive ourselves doing stuff from the inside makes us feel like we're really like more complex than we actually are and actually like the the behaviors and experiences and things that we have are like from the outside might look a lot simpler i don't know i think the fact that we're just like aware of our emotions i think just adds another layer and I don't think we can, we see like octopuses or like other animals and uh, we don't realize that like they feel emotions their own way. Like you yeah. have to step outside of being a human to really understand what's yeah. going on with them. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. I feel like, I feel like a huge part of that is like, you think about the kinds of animals that people have as pets and the way that they can bond with those animals. It's like, right. uh, like domesticated dogs are way better than wolves at like making human-like facial expressions right right it's another just, like, thing, a thing is, that we've yeah. bred them for another thing is uh dogs will dogs have figured out that they can look where a human is pointing wolves yeah. don't know that yeah right. right totally yeah yeah there's like all of these cues that allow us to imbue their behaviors with our emotions and that allows us to form a behind a bond and feel like we can empathize mm -hmm. with them better i feel like this is something that I think about a lot in terms of like um, how people treat and think about mammals versus like fish, for example. Like people basically never have empathy for fish. And I think that you can, like a lot of people are sort of mortified or otherwise upset about the idea of like, for example, killing dogs for food. But no one feels the same thing for like killing fish for food. And people don't even really feel the same about incidentally killing like dolphins or whales in the attempts at killing fish for food or intentionally killing dolphins or whales for food. And I feel like it's, it all comes back to that kind of level of empathy where it's like, it's, it's just like, like fish just simply like fish have social hierarchies. Fish live in schools. Like they, you know what I mean? They are social animals, but like they express themselves and communicate with each other in a way that's so alien to us that we can't perceive it or empathize with it and compare that to like mammals where like, 
even when we're really different from a mammal like a cow or a pig like they still they're still like they use their face to to express things or they vocalize or they like you know get excited and so they run in a circle like those are all things that we can relate to um yeah i don't know i think i think when you said um talk about that that little solar car that's that's sort of the idea of the embodied mind that we yeah can, we can take lessons from robotics and understand that like an octopus has a different sort of understanding of the world right that we have to sort of take a step out of our own heads to understand and uh, when you were talking about how uh, all of our behaviors can be modeled by, by simple feedback, um, what, what I found funny about that was that if you go to like the most basic levels, like that's true always. Like if we're talking about the interactions between cells, it's simple feedback. And if we're talking right. about the interactions between atoms, it's just the laws of physics. Yeah. So yeah, you can you can boil anything down to it's all just like any complex thing. It's just made up of smaller parts that are less complex. Yeah, and right, and so and so from that perspective, it's like of course octopuses have similar or like analogous levels of a, of autonomy to like uh like dogs or mm-hmm. like other vertebrate or other mammals because they have similar levels of complexity, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like that they have there's like a if you're talking about just oh well what's the amount of compounding effect that has happened from combining like in a multiplicative way these like very simple interactions between cells or neurons or atoms or whatever like it's like they if they have the same amount of physical complexity then it's like it makes sense to draw the conclusion that like it's at least worth considering that they probably have a similar amount of behavioral right what you're talking about is, is literally like octopuses have a similar amount of neurons as dogs Right. So if you're looking at intelligence in that way, like it could be that octopuses are exactly as complex as dogs because they just have the same amount of neural cells. Yeah, it's just the same amount of complexity. That's kind of why I was asking about the the number of neural connections before. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Yeah. So uh, any anyone else have any final thoughts before we wrap up here? I feel like I'm shocked to learn that I learned even more this episode than last episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Consciousness and brains are weird as shit. Yeah. And yeah. consciousness and brains in non humans is alien. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. I also think it's cool that like Lego can now advertise themselves as clickable to octopuses as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, Gotta pet octopus to Legos. <laughs> yeah, thinking about what you're saying, I mean, just the idea that everything down to our emotion and sense of self is just a function of having more connections. It's just the same basic structure Mm -hmm. built up to a higher level of complexity but then also sort of going the other way thinking about how we measure intelligence in terms of reasoning whereas like other animals like octopi and the in the way that they can change color that's that is right another manifestation of neural complexity but it's not in the in the same yeah and it's so funny because it's like it's like if you look at that axis it's like octopuses are so much smarter than us right in, when in it comes to octopus, camouflage they're, like they it's not even a competition they they uh the researchers were talking about like the kind of intelligence tests an octopus would design for humans yeah. <laughs> um, how many colors can your severed arm cycle through in one minute and they would, and they would say that well zero then humans are stupid yeah right yeah, 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 totally. That's so funny. It's great. Ah, excellent. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. 
Uh, we'll be back soon. I sure fucking hope who's, so. Who's next? Someone else needs to. <laughs> who's who's oh, taking over for the next one? Alright. Peace out. Bye, guys. Bye.